I just had the joy of the Lord coming into this place. I felt like, God, I don't know what we're walking into, but I want to make sure that I'm in the room. I made traffic move out the way. I made a parking lot a spot appear out of nowhere because I needed to be in the room. Yes, child. Okay, listen. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. My subject, for those of you who take notes, is radical expectations. I'm going to see if victory is a radical expectation. I didn't even know what songs they were going to be singing tonight, but when I came into the room, I knew that God was already doing something because those words are radical expectations. I'm going to begin in verse 11. It says... But I make known to you, the author of this epistle is Paul, the apostle. And he's talking to the church of Galatia, who is being diluted by outside influences. And he says in verse 11, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. He was good at this. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I didn't get that call validated by men or women. When Jesus spoke a word to me, I didn't ask anyone's opinion about it. I didn't ask anyone to tell me whether it was right or wrong, nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. I didn't ask those who came before me, what is this that has happened to me? But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Father God, what an honor it is to be in fellowship with you. You are the great I am, you are the almighty, you are a healer, and yet you have seen fit to live within us. And so, Father, I ask that you would continue to water the seeds of you that are down on the inside of us, that this would be a moment of full blossoming for these your sons and daughters, O oh God, that as we came into this place not knowing exactly what we needed to hear, just knowing that we need to hear from you, God, I ask that you would answer the prayers we didn't even know to whisper, and that you would use me, God, as your vessel, and that you would withhold nothing until your glory falls in this place. Father, I take so seriously the purposes and destinies assigned to us in this incredible community. And so, Father, I ask that there would be no room for nerves, anxiety, or any of those things that are distractions when you want to move into a room, but that instead that this would be an encounter like no other. Fall fresh in this place as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm.
So some of my friends who are connected to Woman Evolve already know that like my favorite women in the Bible are Eve and Mary. Those of you who don't understand that, I'm going to break it down for you. So Eve and Mary are my favorite women in the Bible because of Genesis 3 and 15. When God gives the curse to the serpent, he says, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Her seed will bruise your head, but your seed will bruise her heel. And I love that because he's talking about Eve, but ultimately he's giving a foreshadowing of Jesus. He's saying that in this moment, you may have won, but when it's all said and done, that Eve is connected to Mary. And when Mary reaches her full potential, she will birth Jesus who will crush your head. So I love... I love Eve and Mary because they have such a connection, like Eve knew better but didn't do better. But we forgive her because y'all know how y'all didn't knew better but didn't do better. <laughs> but there's also Mary who I love because Mary knew how to facilitate an environment for what God wanted to do in the earth. But you can't have one without the other. You see, Eve set it in motion. And there is something to be said about someone who knows how to set what God wants to do in motion. So many of us don't even sign up for transformation because we're afraid that if we can't finish it, then we shouldn't start it at all. But God says, I'm not looking for people who know how to finish. I'm looking for people who know how to get it started. Because if you can get it started, I can finish it. And that's what makes us in relationship with him because he initiates things down on the inside of us and we take a leap of faith because we don't know how he's going to finish it, but because he said, do it, I'm going to do it. So my job is to just set it in motion and sit back and watch, God, how are you going to do this thing? God, I set some things in motion when I came in this city. I set some things in motion when I married my husband. I set some things. I don't know what I set in motion. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how I'm going to end up where you told me I was going to end up, but I know I'm not going to wait for all the answers. I'm going to set that thing in motion because if I set that thing in motion, then no weapon formed against me will prosper. The weapons might prosper if I'm standing still, but if I set that thing in motion, it can't come against me because I'm on the move. I'm moving. I'm moving. When God says go, I move. When God says do, I do. When God says get it together, I get it together because I'm trying to set something in motion. That thing is so good to me. I haven't always done what I was supposed to do, but when I got a revelation that if I do what I'm supposed to do, that he can do what he can do, I set some things in motion. Eve. Eve sets it in motion, but Mary's role is just as important because Mary knows how to facilitate the momentum. <clears throat> Having someone who knows how to facilitate the momentum of what God wants to do in the earth is just as important as setting it in motion. Because when the plans of God starts taking off, men don't have to touch it. It's going to be what God said it's going to be. But if we aren't careful, we will not facilitate in an environment that allows for the momentum to take place. 
That's why I love Mary, because she understood that there is some momentum to what God wants to do in the earth. And she would not allow anything to dilute the momentum. The worst thing you could ever do to me is dilute my momentum. I'm working on something. That's why friendships and relationships and opportunities are really important because you have to align them with the momentum. See, when you start working towards something and you start to see that God can really show up on your behalf, it gives you a certain level of focus. It gives you a certain level of momentum. So when you come around wasting my time, that's not cute to me because I got some momentum I'm trying to work for. I know it may be cute to everyone else when you waste their time. I know it may be cute to everyone else to wake up and not know where they are or who they're with, but that's not cute to me because it wastes my momentum. I messed around and got selfish over my momentum. I know they say it's wrong to be selfish, but I am selfish over one thing. I'm selfish over my momentum. I'm selfish over what God has called me to do. If you block my momentum, you got to get out the way because I'm on to something. I'm trying to do something that God said I was the only one who could do. Don't mess with my momentum. Don't mess with my momentum. You gotta not see your weakness as just something you can live with. You gotta see it as something that's messing with your momentum. I'm not just sad, I'm depressed, and that's a problem because I have momentum. I got momentum. I'm trying to become who God said I could be. So when you block my momentum, you block me. And I'm trying to figure out who I am for real. I got to say that the way I see it because I feel like we have settled into distractions and circumstances and personality traits that we think is just a part of who we are, not recognizing that they're actually stopping our momentum, diluting our momentum. I have to forgive because bitterness dilutes my momentum. And so when we find Paul talking to the church in Galatia, He's talking to them because there is an influence that is trying to dilute the momentum of the church that he started. <laughs> Man, God help me. You see, he was gone building something else. And while he was away building something else, an outside influence came in that started diluting his momentum. And see, the thing is this, that it would be different if you saw the influence coming, but the influence just kind of creeps in and dilutes your momentum. You don't even know it in the moment. You just look up one day, and I'm not, I'm not as focused as I used to be. I'm not as creative as I used to be. I used to just pick up the pen, and it would flow. Something diluted my momentum. Who am I talking to in this room? God sent a word for you. God sent a word that it's time for you to get your expectation back. God sent a word that is still down in you. You just let some things dilute your momentum. But I hear God saying, if you remove those things that diluted your momentum, that I will accelerate what you think the locusts have eaten. I'll put you right back in position. I'll put you right back where you're supposed to be. 
the influence creeped in. And I just want to say this because there is someone, and I don't know who you are, but I felt it when I was studying. I felt like you were going to be in this room, that you're just tired of influences creeping in and diluting your momentum. I'm tired of starting it and feeling like I'm never going to see the end of it. I'm tired of it not working out the way it's supposed to work out. I'm tired of having to make all of these changes and still wondering if it's going to happen. I'm tired of working at this job, but I can't start the business. I don't understand. There's something that always creeps in. Right when I start getting my momentum, something creeps in. And I wanted to let you know that as insensitive maybe as this may sound, that God did not wrap your spirit in flesh and send you down to the earth for vacation. That when God puts you in this earth, he did it because there was a war going on. And he said, there's a war going on down there. And I need to put somebody down in that room who knows how to let some things flow from them. And I know you're tired of the influences creeping in, but God sent you down. Don't start yet, because they're not ready. Don't start yet, because they're not ready. I had to put you down in this room because I understood that there was a war happening. And if there was no one else to fight that war, I knew I had to be able to depend on you. I hear God saying, stop looking for it to be safe. Stop looking for it to be settled. Stop looking for everything to work out smoothly and understand that the influence are going to creep in because they're here to teach you how to war differently. God help me. The influences creep in so that you can have a defense mechanism that you would have never had unless the influences creeped in. I know you're tired. I know you're burnt out. Take a minute and rest, but it's time for you to get back in the game because there's a war out here. Come on, Activate LA. We didn't say activate the church. We said activate Los Angeles. When you hit this street baby they ought to know you here they ought to know what you working with the influences show you where you're weak so that your weakness can marry with his strength I know you're tired of the influences creeping in and knocking you off your game, but you become stronger when you recognize where the cracks are. You become stronger where you recognize where the holes are. You'll never hit me in that same spot again because when you creeped in on me and you creeped in on my marriage and you creeped in on my business, I messed around and went to therapy. I messed around and got an accountant. You never hit me like that again. I'm a Eat that punch, baby, because it's the last one I'm going to take. We're not here for vacation. We're not here for smooth sailing. Every time somebody shoots something up, we got to go harder. It's a war going on out there. Every time something happens that doesn't look like God, the influences have crept in. And it's supposed to awaken something down on the inside of you that makes you fight in a way that you would not have fought had the influences never creeped in. Influences 
creeping into your house, creeping into your marriage. Now I understand why Paul is so aggressive with the church of Galatia, because when you recognize the influence has crept in, you can't just play with that thing. You gotta go head to head with that thing and you have to kick it out. Because if you don't kick it out, that influence will take over. And all of a sudden you won't be creating with purpose the way that you were supposed to. And you'll lose your vision for why you were here in the first place. And, and depression will start to make you think that you should move on to suicide because the influence has crept in. But I came to kick some influences out. I tell you, over the last couple of weeks, I've been looking at things and I feel like for myself personally that there have been some influences that kind of crept in to some spaces and some places that I didn't even know I had a weakness in. And when I recognized that I had a weakness in that area, I had to go back to the revelation about why I was in that situation in the first place. Mm. What Paul does with the church of Galatia, when he recognizes that influences have crept in and he decides to get aggressive with them, I wanna show you in my text. He begins to go back through his history. And I needed to understand why it was that he was going back through his history because his history doesn't have anything to do with what's happening in the moment. At least that's what I thought. Because as I was studying, I realized that his history is important to this text because his history is a sign of the transformation that has taken place within him. And when you have a transformation that is radical that takes place in you, it changes your expectation for what happens outside of you. Because there's something about a radical transformation that God does within you that makes you look at situations that could never be turned or transformed differently. Because when God has transformed you radically, you believe that he can transform any situation radically. So Paul has a radical expectation for the church of Galatia because he has experienced radical transformation. What we have to pray for before we pray for our external transformation is that God would do something down on the inside of us so radical that it places faith for what he wants to do outside of us. Paul tells us in his text, I used to murder Christians, and I was good at it. And I was climbing the ranks when I was in that lane, but I had a radical encounter with God. And when I had this radical encounter with God, it activated me in a lane that I didn't even know I could possess. 
And when God activated me in a lane that I didn't even know I could possess, I had faith for things that I shouldn't have had faith for. And I had a vision for things that I never should have had vision for. And I just want to be honest, I came praying that God would have a radical encounter in this church tonight. Because if God has a radical encounter with just two or three of us, I don't even need the whole room. If he would have a radical encounter with two or three of us, we would have expectations for things that we shouldn't even be expecting. We would start thinking that the movie industry had to bow down at the name of Jesus. We would start believing that depression had to leave in the name of Jesus. Radical expectations would make us believe that the homeless has to get up off the street and get into the job industry. I wouldn't have this expectation, but I had a radical transformation. And when God has an encounter with you, It's supposed to change your expectation. Jesus didn't have an encounter for Paul for Paul. He had an encounter for Paul for what he could do through Paul. And I hear God saying, stop storing me up for your own selfish ambitions and start asking me, what do I want to do with that encounter that you've had? God doesn't want to be a little secret thing on the side. I don't want this thing to just be what you and I have. I'm trying to unleash something on the earth. So Paul takes it back to the revelation that started this moment to begin with. Oh God. He says, in order for you to understand why you have to stay in position, I want you to understand why I shouldn't be in position. Because if you see why I shouldn't be in position, then you'll stay in position. Why will you stay in position? Because you'll see that the transformation is coming. Oh God, you gotta help me say it the way that we studied it. Paul is a living testimony for the church of Galatia. What Jesus did with him was a radical transformation, but Galatia is still in seed form. It hasn't fully manifested into what it can be, but God sent somebody who had already experienced the transformation to tell the church when it was still in seed form, if you stay in position, the transformation will radically blow your mind. Let me say it the way you understand it. I brought my hips all the way down here to tell you something, that if you stay in position, that God is going to have a radical transformation that you would never expect. How do I know? Because I am a living witness that if you mess around and let him do what he says he can do, eyes haven't seen it, ears haven't heard it, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what he will do in your life. He has an expectation. Stay in position. Stay in position. Stay in position. No more influences diluting your power. No more influences diluting your vision. You gotta stay in position. You gotta build the structure. You gotta find the team. You gotta stay in position. Cause the influences are trying to dilute your momentum. But when you acknowledge what they're trying to do, you in their mission. 
And I just wanted you to know that it is time for us to move ourselves out of the way so that the momentum of what God wants to do can be fully manifested in the earth. God, I hear you talking in this room tonight. I feel like there's some momentum building in this room. There's some momentum building in this room for what God wants to do in your life. God said it doesn't take Oh, God. God is speaking to me. The, the church of Galatia was being diluted because there was a group trying to make them do what was old and traditional. But what God wanted to do needed to remain fresh so that it could have the kind of momentum it needed to take over the earth. If you go back to doing what was old and what you understood and what other people approved of, you're going to mess around and miss the fresh thing that God wants to do in this earth. Y'all know I'm here for the culture. I wanted to call this message fresh to death because my goal is to stay fresh until the day that I die. I want to stay fresh with revelation. I want to stay fresh with wisdom. I want to stay fresh with creativity. So I have to be protective. And not go back and not shrink when God is creating momentum for something new. I'm creating momentum for something new. So we're restructuring right now because the momentum that you need for what I wanna do requires a different structure. You gotta be willing to create an environment for the momentum to move. You gotta move some things out of the way. You think too slow. You think too small. You're not thinking big enough. You gotta leave room for growth. I love this because Paul basically tells them, we're leaving room for growth. We're not putting God in limits right now. We're not putting God in a box right now. I hear God saying, you dream that dream, but you leave room for growth because that's where the exceedingly and the abundantly comes in. God says, you do everything that you can. But leave room. Leave room for growth. Have a radical expectation. I started getting bogged down in all of the details of what I needed to do. And I started getting overwhelmed and thinking to myself, I'm in over my head. I don't know if I can do this. But I had a meeting that reminded me of how far this thing could go. And that meeting changed my expectation. Nothing in my situation changed but my expectation. And when my expectation changed, my momentum changed. Because when I realized what I was working towards, it shifted how I worked towards it. When Paul Talks to Galatia, I'm finished because y'all done ran through my notes. When Paul talks to the church of Galatia, he's got to get them back to the revelation that started this. Oh, I got to get you back to the revelation that started this. I don't know if you've ever been on navigation and it zooms into where you're turning in that moment, but every now and then if you zoom out, 
You'll see the areas where there's traffic and you'll see the areas where things are moving slow, but you also see the destination. So you recognize I'm gonna have to go through some things to get to that destination. But you keep that revelation in mind. That's exactly what a revelation does. It helps you to recognize that there are some things that are a part of the journey. But at the end of the day, my end goal is still within my mind. That end goal is still within my vision. There's a revelation that started this church. There's a revelation that started your life. There's a revelation that started that book. Don't lose sight of the revelation. The revelation started the marriage. The revelation started the business. That revelation that you could go into that industry and that you could change the culture of it. That wasn't just whispering sweet nothings. That was a revelation that you could change the culture. That was a revelation. I hear God saying don't get bogged down in the politics of what's happening around you. Don't get bogged down in the culture of what's taking place around you. Remember I sent you there with an expectation. I sent you in that room with an expectation. I put you in that family with an expectation. This started with a revelation. And when you lose sight of everything, go back to the revelation. Because the momentum is connected to the revelation. The vision is connected to the revelation. The breakthrough is connected to the revelation. The strength to walk away is connected to the revelation. I hear somebody's been asking God, how are you going to do it? And God says, just get back to the revelation. The revelation is why you left the relationship. Because you said to yourself, I think I can do better than this. The revelation is why you left the city. Because you said to yourself, I think my gift is too big for this room. The revelation started this thing. I came to put somebody back in position. I came to help somebody get back to your revelation. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. No weapon formed against me will prosper. All things are going to work together for my good. That's what the word of God says. That's the revelation he gave then. And it's the revelation he's given now. Get back, get back to the revelation. Get back to the revelation. Get back to the vision I had in mind. Cause everything you need is in that word. Everything you need is in that revelation. I know you had some disappointments. I'm thinking about some things that fell apart, but I'm also seeing how God is picking it back up again. And I said, God, I thought we was over that, but God said, no, get back to the revelation because your creativity, I don't know who that is for, but I felt like God gave you some specific words and somewhere along the way you forgot those words. But you gotta get back to that revelation so that it can change your expectation of this moment. Somebody has been through so much trauma that the only thing they can expect is more trauma and more disappointment. But when you get back to the revelation, you recognize that trauma is a part of it, but trauma don't stop nothing. That pain doesn't stop anything. 
that when it's all said and done, that pain will turn into purpose. And I look back at the thing I was crying at and I laugh because I thought that that was gonna be the end of me. But turns out it was really the birthing of me and that I came out on the other side a different version of me. Hell thought it could stop me, but hell didn't know, baby, I land on my feet. I got nine lives in this thing. What's up, LA? What you trying to do in here? I wish somebody would understand that that resurrecting power that got Jesus off the cross is resurrecting your purpose. It's resurrecting your dream. And it's, it's resurrecting your passion. Your passion is see people have fresh encounters. Your passion is see that there's another way to do it. God, when I had this revelation, I felt like nothing could stop me. And then I ran into some giants that scared me, but I feel like somebody's getting back in position, that they recognize that that revelation is what got me this far, and that revelation is what's gonna take me further. That revelation hasn't left you, left the revelation, but that revelation is still waiting in position. God didn't go anywhere. The promise hasn't left yet. I'm just waiting on you to identify those influences that crept in and diluted your momentum. Some influence they they creep in. You don't even know they're there until you're not where you're supposed to be. And you look back and you say to yourself, how did I get here? And influence crept in. But that revelation is more powerful than the influence. Which is why Paul does not get into a theology discussion with the church of Galatia. He just reminds them of his encounter when Jesus revealed himself to him and gave him a revelation. He said, I may not be able to go toe to toe with theology with those influences who have crept into Galatia, but I had an encounter that cannot be disputed. And my encounter cannot be disputed. And it was so powerful that it touched you and changed your life. And you had an encounter that could not be disputed. That revelation is more powerful than any of those influences. And there are some of you who don't have a revelation for your external life right now. But you have a revelation for who you're supposed to be inside. But those influences are making you believe that you can't be that on the inside. So you focus on the outside because you're afraid to do the work inside. But I hear God saying the outside's not going to change until the inside changes. Because when you change your inside, I can trust you with the outside. So we don't need a radical external transformation. We need a radical internal transformation where I start to address, address the influences that creeped inside of my hope and creeped inside of my faith and creeped inside of my anointing. 
Because those influences are the ones that are trying to take you out. But they didn't know you was coming to church tonight. My husband told me before I got up here, he said, don't leave a devil in town. So I need about two or three people who don't mind warring with me. On behalf of the person beside you, I need you to worship for the person beside you. I need you to lift up a praise for the person beside you. Get out of their mind. Get out of their house. Loose that woman and let her go. Loose that man and let him go. Satan, I rebuke you. Hell, you have no place here. I plead the blood of Jesus over their mind. I plead the blood of Jesus over their finances. Where one can chase 1,000, two can chase 10,000. I bet. I bet a thousand of us could chase a million. The influences gotta go. That means my praise gotta be louder than the influences. It means my worship gotta be louder than the influence. I know you depressed. Open up your mouth anyway. I know you tired. Open up your mouth anyway. I know you broke. Open up your mouth anyway. I'm expecting a breakthrough. When I worship, you gotta let me go. When I praise, you gotta let me go. Somebody's getting back to the revelation. The revelation is that when I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I sanctified you. I anointed you. I set you apart. I'm going back to the revelation. No weapon formed against me will prosper. All things will work together for my good. I'm going back to the revelation. The revelation that I would change the culture. The revelation that I would break the generational curse. The revelation that I would be a business owner. The revelation that I would be the one that pulls my family out. I'm going back to the revelation. I'm going back to the revelation. God, remind me what you said about me. God, show me what you meant when you placed me in the earth. God, take me back to what you know. I don't see no devil in hell stronger than the revelation the revelation put Jesus on the cross and the revelation rose him up again on the third day Jesus had a revelation about who he was that's why he got on the cross because the cross wasn't going to be the end of him
God said, God said, I placed you here. I placed you. I set you. I set you in this city. I set you in this city. That's why you couldn't pack up and go home. I set you in this city. That's why you left and came back. I set you in that family. I set you in that business. I set you there. Because there's a revelation. There's a revelation that I have about who you are and what you can do. And I'm just waiting on you to live, live your life by that revelation that you could take the city, that you could change the family. That was a revelation. I didn't send you down here for vacation. I sent you down here for a revelation. I sent you down here so I could be revealed through you. I sent you down here because you would pave a way for me to come through you. He first revealed himself to Paul, then he revealed himself through Paul. I sent you here because I'm trying to reveal something about who I am and what I can do. But most importantly, who I can use. I can use anybody. I can do anything, but God wants to partner with people who will protect the momentum of what he wants to do on the earth. How do I protect it? First, I remove the influences in me that keep him from flowing through me. There are influences that keep the momentum from flowing. When I met your pastor, my husband, a part of me was nervous because I realized that he was gonna create more momentum than I was, wasn't sure that I was capable of matching that level of momentum. But it was such a God thing that I knew that when someone comes into my life, they add momentum to me. And if I am afraid to be connected with what God is doing in the earth, then I would be connected to the earth. And ain't nobody got time for that. I came to bring heaven to earth. I came to unleash heaven on earth. And so you need to be in environments and relationships and friendships that add to your momentum. If I'm with you and I start losing steam, then we gotta go and check it. It'll be better for us to depart, not just for me, but for you. Cause if you slowing down my momentum, I'm slowing down your momentum. There is a such thing as goodbye, because I believe that if we aren't meant to be together, then you're better off without me and I'm definitely better off without you. Cause my momentum's gotta flow. The most dangerous thing that could have happened to the Church of Galatia 
is that they allowed those outside influences to take them back to something old and stale when God wanted to do something fresh. And whenever we see that something or someone is taking us back to an old, stale version of who we are, we have to see it as a threat to our momentum because I'm heading towards who God wants me to be. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray with you. You're here and you're afraid to go back to the revelation. You're afraid to go back to the revelation because of the disappointments you experienced. And you're afraid that if you go back to that revelation and you get your hopes up and it doesn't work out again, then you're gonna be lost and more broken than you are right now. So having faith literally cost you something. I want you to meet me at this altar. I'm, a, I'm straight up afraid to believe. This message, radical expectations. It's radical because for some of us, it is easier to not believe than to believe. God, I, I'm afraid that if I go back to expecting the way that I once did and I fail or it doesn't work out, that I'll be embarrassed or I'll be broken. But if you're honest with yourself, that defense mechanism that you have created isn't working either because there's still a wrestling taking place down on the inside of you that wants you to see what if he was right when he said that I could do it. It's important for you to know, like I said, those influences, they creep in for the best of us, that it was never supposed to be smooth sailing. Everything was never supposed to be easy. He didn't send us down here for vacation. There's a battle going on, a spiritual battle taking place. If you don't believe me, when you see those headlines of what darkness is going into Walmart and shooting up, there's a war going on. And we can't afford to be asking God, when can I be on cruise control? The better question is, God, when can I be activated? What needs to happen down on the inside of me for me to be activated, for me to be doing something in my city and with my family that puts a stake in the ground, says, hell, you can't have this. And if you do your part and I do my part, then we could cover the globe. That's why Paul takes it very seriously what's happening in Galatia because he recognizes that they are holding down a corner of the earth where God's glory needs to be manifested. We are here to manifest the glory of God. That means that we can't manifest shame and the glory at the same time. 
And we can't allow our depression to be manifested and the glory to be manifested at the same time. That's why you got to go to counseling. That's why you got to worship even when you don't feel like it. Somebody needs to go to rehab. Somebody needs to get into some rooms with some spiritual counselors so that we can cast out a devil because we got to make sure that God's glory can be manifested. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of worry and anxiety manifesting themselves when the Spirit of God lives down on the inside of me. And every now and then, you gotta talk back to that Spirit. And you gotta tell that Spirit you can't have the microphone any longer. That I am a child of the Most High God. And I rebuke every thought that's coming up against my identity right now. You got to police your spirit because influences creep in and they change your momentum. I want to pray with you. You're ready to get back in position. I'm ready to get back in position. I fell off a little bit. I lost my way, but I'm ready to get back in. I'm ready to get back in position. I want to see a radical transformation take place. I want to pray for you. You need a radical encounter. If I'm calling your name, come down and meet us at the altar. Get as close to it as you can because when we start worshiping and we start praying, we're going to kick some influences out. You're in this room and there are some influences that you have been struggling with time after time after time and you are ready to finally have victory. I'm going to see a victory. You you didn't even know that you were prophesying over your own circumstance. I'm tired of going back to the same situation. I'm tired of feeling like alcohol has power over me. I'm tired of feeling like drugs have power over me. I'm tired of feeling like sex has power over me. I'm ready to kick some influences out. I'm ready for the gift of God to be stirred up down on the inside of me. Where my worshipers at in this place? If you're in this room, please start praying in your own language. Start worshiping in your own language. Some of you prefer meditation. Let's meditate on who God is. We have some influences that have to leave our brothers and sisters. We have some influences that's got to leave our mind. They got to leave our home. This influence has to leave our marriage. That low self-esteem can't stay here anymore. That suicidal thought can't stay here anymore. We got to wage war with the enemy and I only need one or two, it's fine. I want us to start praying like somebody's life depends on it. I want us to start praying like somebody's marriage depends on it. Let me for just a minute hear the sound of worship. I want it to cast out every fear. You've been praying for an encounter. God said you gotta meet me halfway. When you open your mouth, you make room for me. When you open your heart, you make room for me. I know it's not really your style, but get it your own way. Step out of your comfort box. If all you can do is open your hands, 
open your hands like your breakthrough is gonna drop down in it. You're gonna get your strength back. You're gonna get your power back. I just wanna hear hunger. I can't take you no further than this. It's some things you gotta do on your own. God, I need you. God, I can't do it without you. God, I'm tired. God, I'm broken. When you open your mouth, it makes room for him to come into you. When you open your heart, it makes room for him to invade you. That's why the enemy is going to always be after your praise. And depression is going to always be over your mouth. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. God, I want my life back. God, I want my passion back. God, I want my heart back. God, help me to forgive. God, help me to move past this. Spirit of the living God. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. I need a glory exchange. I need a glory exchange. I need your power for my weakness. I need your vision for my life. I need your anointing where I'm weak. I need glory, 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 glory. God, I'm trying to set something in motion. God, I'm trying to see who you are for real. God, we worship you. God, we worship you. We exalt your name in this place. God, we exalt you over depression. God, we exalt you over that relationship. God, you're greater than that. God, you're higher than that. God, I take off those issues off the throne and I put you back in your rightful position. God, I'm putting you back where you belong. God, I'm putting you back as the king of my heart. God, I want to know you in a fresh new way. God, wherever there is a heart open and a hand raised, I ask that your glory would fall over their lives that it would permeate every crack, that it would fill every hole. God, let your glory confront the influences that have diluted their momentum. 
And God, as we have these confrontations with these influences, my prayer, God, is that you would give us a revelation that is stronger than the influence. God, give me a revelation over who I am, a revelation about what I can do. Invade the lives of these your sons and daughters. Open their mouths that they may exalt you when those influences try to talk them out of who you've called them to be. This word is so important because the earth is groaning right now. The Amazon is on fire right now. And the, we all know it affects the ozone layer of the entire earth. And when you look at that, you say, wow, what's going on? That's, the Bible describes it as the earth groaning. Romans 8, you hear it all the time. The expectation of creation as everything that God created, the whole universe, is expecting and is waiting for the revealing of the children of God. That word revealing means the manifesting. And that's why you can't play with the influences because the influences are trying to keep you from being who you must be in order for the shift to come. So when you see that, this first of all, the message is so prophetic and so on point and so powerful. And I want you to, I'm making the connection between what Pastor Sarah is saying and what you're seeing. All of creation, it talks about how it's groaning and you're groaning too. You're groaning too. You, you have a longing. Some of you are in pain. Some of you are in, in a crazy struggle. Some of you are, are, are literally being wearied by circumstances. You are tired. Some of you want to quit and you want to give up. And it's because you're, you're, you're becoming, you're, you're groaning. It's time. In that passage, study it when you get a chance. That's Romans 8. Study that whole thing. It talks about how the whole creation is groaning with birth pangs. Birth pangs. The pain of birth. Birth is not on your schedule. It's not on your schedule. Birth is on God's schedule. It is a predetermined moment in time where God says that this must be. And he will allow the shaking to come. He will allow the struggle to come because at the end of the day, you must be. So every word of this message about the influences, right? We can't, we, we can't allow what God is trying to do to be contaminated. It's, it's, it's so serious. It is not for a blessing. It is not for a breakthrough. It is not for a business. It is not for boo. All those things can happen, but it is not for that. It is for you. It's for you. It's for you. I've got 
to be me. I've got to be me. And the whole world is groaning. I promise you. I said, that Amazon thing, I said, that's a birth pain. And it, it speaks back to you. When you see all that stuff going on. And, and we've been preaching about the air. It's in the air. And then the Amazon, which controls the air over the universe, is on fire with a threat over the air. Birth pangs. And so we got to become. It has been said. And perhaps there is a deeper, deeper level of letting things go that needs to happen. Not tomorrow. Not, I need to go home and process. It, right now. You got to be that relentless. You got to be that committed. You got to be that. I feel the spirit of God. You got to leave it at the altar right here, right now. I'm done with you. I'm done with it. Enough. And some of you, it's a flirting. You're not, you haven't married it, but you flirt with it. And, and flirt produces dirt. You didn't marry it. You just dabble. You just dabble. And you come back home. And God is saying, that, that's not going to cut it. Not even a flirt. I'm, I'm just, talk, just catch it where you, where you live. Not even a flirt. Don't even look at it. Close your eyes. Turn away from it. Turn your back on it. Pray in the spirit until it leaves your mind. Because it's on like it has never been on. I promise you. I, I wouldn't. I ain't trying to. It's on like it has never been on. And so you got to be on like you have never been on in Christ. So we're going to have about 60 seconds of Selah. And in those 60 seconds, I want you to gather every influence. I want you to gather it because it's interesting that it's a fire. Fire can work two ways. Fire was an element of worship. You would put what needed to die on the fire and it would be consumed. And so we're going to take 60 seconds. And whatever came to mind when Pastor was speaking, the one thing or the 714 things. <laughs> and here's the thing, family, you can. Anything that, that God reveals, anything that God reveals, he has anointed 
for it to be healed right there in that moment. Right there in that moment. You have to get that I can't out the way or I don't know how. It has nothing to do with that. All you have to do is give it to him, for real. Say, God, I, I'm, I don't want to do business with that anymore. And so we're going to take 60 seconds, and I want you to gather it. And I want you to leave it here at this altar. God loves you. He loves you. He's got you. Ain't nobody mad. It's none of that. I'm talking about you being who you have got to be, sons and daughters of God. We got to stand up. And I'm not talking about standing up on some religious thing. I'm just talking about the real you showing up. And then God will guide you from there. He can't even guide the false you. He's like, I need you to be the real you so that I can guide you so you have a sense of identification with who God is talking to. 60 seconds. And we're going to bring it to him, all of us. We're going to bring it to him. Everything, the little flirting things in particular, things you flirt with, because those are subtle and deadly. Subtle. Creep in. They creep in. 60 seconds. saying it can change. Can change. In me it is changed. And a new rhythm will begin. A new rhythm will begin. Oof. A rhythm of victory. A rhythm of victory. I hear a new score. I hear a new sound. I hear the drums of God beating in the background of your life. A new rhythm. A new momentum. Jesus, seal this. Seal this. You love your sons and daughters so much. You don't have to be afraid of what you read or what you see. You don't have to be afraid of it. Just let it call forth who you are. You're a child of God. Son of God. Daughter of God. You're who he placed here to make sure everything will be okay. Hallelujah. It's you. Authority, new authority. You're going to start speaking to things. You're going to start speaking to environments and atmospheres. And things are going to shift because the creation will recognize you. Oh, I feel God. And things are going to shift because of you. That's why, that's why, that's why we can't have influences. Because influences strip you from you. To be a child of God, we're done. We got to go. 
To be a child of God means that you carry the authority of God. You, you, didn't, like, you didn't like that theologically? Romans 8, you got to read that whole thing. It says that Christ was the firstborn among many brethren. And our journey is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Christ walked the earth with God's authority. And stuff had to move. You're going to speak to stuff. And I'm talking bigger than your situation. That's easy. You're going to start speaking to the situation of nations and regions and continents. That's what you're growing up into. It's bigger than your life. You being consumed with your life is a distraction. It is a distraction. It's a straight out distraction. That's why Jesus taught in Matthew 6. He's like, is not your life more than that? I got that covered. He says what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. There is a kingdom that is coming. It is unshakable. It is unbreakable. It has the authority of heaven. And when it shows up, things change. And guess what? You know where the kingdom is? Look in the mirror. It is you. It is in you. That's what it means when it says, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. And so I can't flirt with these influences. And that's why this word was prophetic and poignant. And you got to hear it. And you got to become it. And you can't get excited and leave. And no, no, no. This is a real word. A for real word. Yeah? Ain't that right, baby? Amen. Anybody celebrate Jesus for his word? Come on, somebody. We celebrate Jesus for his word. It's protection. This word is protection. Come on, I feel it. I don't know what you got protected from. Somebody got, you just got saved for real. Not saved spiritually. I think some of you got saved from something crazy. That's why we thank him for his word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And you have to recognize when you have heard a timely prophetic, life-changing, and life-saving message. Can we celebrate Jesus for Pastor Sarah and this word? Thank you for laboring and being who you had to be to get this word. And we are going to honor God by, by applying it, by receiving it, saying, God, I'm not going to let that word fall to the ground. I'm going to lean into it. 
I'm going to play it again. I'm going to go to YouTube and play it again on YouTube. It'll be on the podcast later. I'm going to listen to the podcast and I'm going to keep on becoming until I become. Amen.